Well, first off, I would uh, just want to welcome you here. Yeah, thanks, um, it was great talking to you recently. Obviously, we work with the organization a heck of a long time. Uh, it's, to me, a unique opportunity for me to learn about leaders and other people in the region that are watching this to learn about leaders that are leading our organization. But I also view it almost like a real-world MBA for me. I get to learn what shaped that man or woman, um, what developed them, what models do they follow, what do they do in their organization. You know, the work-life balance has sort of exploded over the last couple of years um, due to factors outside of our control. So I thought a perfect time talk to somebody in the mental health industry, talk to somebody in the health industry, just mm -hmm. overall, mm -hmm. um, and talk to somebody that's had to adapt to all of this stuff. So yeah, yeah. If, if you tell me in a nutshell, um, <laughs> there's got to be challenges out the um, wazoo. Where to begin. That, yeah, where, where to, to begin, begin yeah. in that area. What shaped you as a leader? What sort of helped you as a uh, leader find the good? Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, it is tough. Where, where, where do you begin? Um, you know, I've been at Porter Stark now for five years, and I absolutely love it. So I just want to start there because this is the most incredible organization uh, with the most incredible people that you could ever want to work with. And, and I think for any leader, they would probably tell you it's the, the people that are doing all the work that make the difference, and, and it's true. So, um, you know, going back, though, uh, before that, I was a, um, also a CEO in this industry, for about eight and a half years in, in LaPorte County at Swanson Center. I love that as well. And I came from a background of academics. Um, and so, you know, going back um, a little bit in time, you know, when I was a, a, a kid, I was pretty driven um, and, and competitive, mainly with myself, but I always wanted to be the best, be the best, be the best. So, you know, one thing that I, I tell younger leaders or people looking to get promoted is, you know, it's good to be ambitious, but it's also uh, best to f put that a little bit secondary and put exactly what's in front of you as primary. Because if you're going to do a good job and you care about what you're doing, you'll forget about those other things and people will notice that this person really cares about what's happening here, yeah. right? So, um, you know, I've tried to live my life like that, uh, kind of just naturally, uh, you know, wanting to, whatever I do, I want to I study hard, work hard, do those things. And I think it's led me to some different, you know, places that have been have been good. Now, as I mentioned, I've been in community mental health for about the last 14 years, the last five being at, at Porter Stark. Um, and I had led this life of academics where I finally had gotten to faculty and it was what my whole life goal was, but I had this amazing opportunity and a kind of a calling to come back home. And because that's, I'm from the area originally. Okay. At the time, my wife and I um, didn't have kids yet, but thought how cool it would be uh, to come back to the area and be able to have a family, which we do now. Um, but, but really it was the, the shift in work and it went from what I was doing, which was very research-based and, and um, dependent on publishing, and it was a little bit isolated, and I always wondered what impact I'm um, actually having here. And when I heard about community mental health and the business of helping thousands and thousands of people, I thought, yeah, this, this is for me. And so it's I've almost never like the dichotomy of experience. I mean, yeah. you're hunkered down in a book and stats and research and yeah. analysis, and in community mental health, you're literally out connecting, serving people. Yeah, yeah. 
And while much of that is done by our, our staff, we have about 330 staff at this point. So it's um, you know, a lot of people doing some amazing work. Uh, I've tried to take that research background and apply it to circumstances of, uh, you know, how are we going to evaluate this situation? Um, what's the best approach? How do we explain this, whether it's legislators or uh, whatever the audience is, uh, in an informed way? Uh, so that's something uh, that's something else that I advise to people. I, I don't know I have all this advice like I'm, you know. You, well, <laughs> you're, you're, I guess I was kind of primed to think of that. You, you in that may regard. be in a similar age category of so, me, and I like to tell people, okay, I might not be the smartest guy, but I've, I've been doing this 20 or 30 or 40 years. Like, even if I'm half dumb, I've learned a decent amount of stuff in that period of time. And yeah. even if you're twice as smart as the average person, you've only had a couple of years to get that mm -hmm. smart. Mm -hmm. So if I'm half as stupid and you're twice as smart, I I might just by accumulation have the edge on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, but I, and, and so I think the point is is that, that you got to take what you've learned, what you know, and and apply that in your leadership role, right? Because I think um, in the field that we're in, uh, people who become CEOs, they may have been you know a case manager or a therapist. They could have been a CFO. They could have been all kinds of different things. So each person brings to that job uh, a certain. A certain knowledge base. Yeah. So you got to play to your strengths when you're doing those things and, and rely on the subject matter experts that are carrying out all those complex tasks on a daily basis. Tell me over those 14 years in the last five, what have you learned about mental health or the importance of mental health to overall health? Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's a great question. There's there's a huge tie-in, and you know, strategically, one of the things that Porter Stark uh, we're doing now and has been uh, long in place as a strategy is to try to integrate those things. So when we talk in the field about integrated care, it really talks about making sure that we're addressing health needs as much as mental health and, and addiction needs. And so some of that we do ourselves um, through a primary care arm called Merrim Health Center. Uh, the other we do with, with partners in the community and, and physicians and nurse practitioners trying to connect people to, to health. Yeah. Uh, but we work in a model where more and more um, we have to show evidence that we are connecting people to care. And that goes then towards our overall um, assessment of the quality and level of services that we're able to provide. So they're, they're all institutions or people are looking for it to have a very analogous relationship to a positive outcome. Yeah. And so if you've got to verify it, you really got to make sure that it's correct. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, what are the, in terms of your specific role at Porter Stark, what are those positive hallmarks that you hold on to that, despite whatever challenge it is, remind you every day what we're doing is critically important and the people that are on the front lines of doing it are absolutely amazing. Tell me about some of those moments where it really hits you. This is why I do what I do every day. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, in a position where I hear things almost every single day that, that are that kind of level of inspiration. Um, you know, we serve uh, 18,000 people collectively, uh, you know, at, at Porter Stark Services. So there's a lot of different interactions, and, and I would say the vast majority you never hear about, but some of them bubble up. And, and what you know is that at any given moment, it might be the right time that you can reach somebody. And that's what our staff are doing every day. And I have to tell you that that's what it reminded me of is I've always kind of loved work, whatever I'm doing, I really yeah. got into and it was really, really fun. 
But it wasn't until I got into this field, and, and particularly here at, at Porter Stark Services, that I felt like I didn't have to question anymore, uh, is what I'm doing worthwhile? Because every single day, and I say this to staff orientation, every day that you're, you're here, you're going to touch the life of somebody, no matter what your job and your role is. It's part of the whole of who we are uh, in, in terms of delivering services. And our job is to help people have a, a better life. Yeah, literally like better right in the word like they you want them to have a better outcome yeah um tell me about what the world maybe i think of the positive angle obviously and mm -hmm. everything mental health is a very very challenging issue yeah i think over the last couple of years one of the good news components of treating mental health or helping people with mental health is it's very prevalently known now yes it's a thing yeah it's not in the corner or in a box. It probably still needs to be much more mm -hmm. outspoken and communicated, but it's not relegated to the drawer over here or, you know, that conversation over there. It's front and center in a lot of people's discussions. Mm -hmm. That's got to, I think, encourage you, but also um, embolden you and how much more that there is to do. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's because um, what we've seen is the, you know, the need has gone up greatly since the, the pandemic, especially. A lot of people became isolated. There was a lot of insecurity with, with jobs and housing, food, all of those things that are, are elements that, that can take people who are maybe on an edge and doing okay and, and pushing them where they really need to get some help. And part of mental health treatment too, especially with an organization like Porter Stark Services, is it's not just sit down and tell me about your problems. It's finding some practical solutions for, for people to overcome some of those challenges. And so it's, um, there are the elements of traditional therapy, and of course we have, we have prescribers and, and psychiatrists you know, who, who do those things, but we also have case managers and people who are working to help people connect to the right resources in the community. So it's really the whole package as well as health. Because if you're struggling with one area of your life, it likely impacts the others, mm -hmm. and so if the person's having financial struggles or overall health troubles or yeah. childcare issues or work issues or whatever it is, yep. that's gonna impact all of the rest. Right, exactly. And so, so I guess on that, the upside is that people are less concerned about um, someone finding out that they're getting some kind of mental health treatment or, or addictions treatment. If anything, it's, you know, the, the level of awareness is going up. People's comfortability around that is, is improving. Um, and then so we're seeing more and more people seeking out services. And, you know, fortunately, some other good news there is we've been able to add staff um, over this time period when much of healthcare has actually lost staff. Yeah, it's really, you know, for most, it's a very challenging environment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it certainly is for us as well. Yeah. As, you know, I think we've got a lot of exciting things in the works. Um, we just put out a press release uh, just the other day, I'm sure you know, yep. since I helped to uh, put it out there about um, some of our development of crisis services in the community. Uh, these are things that um, I think are needs in just about any community, but have historically not had a solid funding source. Okay. Um, as an organization, we've always pursued grants um, to help fill the gap to, so we can stay on the cutting edge of services. Yeah. So we've um, been pretty fortunate in receiving some grants to support these, as well as from Porter County in particular, which was fantastic. Um, but the long-term hope is that these grants, of course, that's the problem of grants, they end. Yeah. Um, but the state is working on developing a model that will do some of these things that historically have not had a way to 
support reimbursement because ultimately as a service organization, yeah. you have to have the revenue to so, pay the staff. Yeah, someone has to actually help that person, yeah. pay that person to help. Right, right. What are the things that um, you might want to be looking forward to um, in 2023? What are the areas that the organization, either of them, you know, or either parts of them, mm-hmm. are going to be um, approaching particular challenges you see ahead? Mm-hmm. Like, what's 2023 look like in your view? Well, it's, it's going to be carrying out quite a few of our strategic priorities to fruition. Um, so we're hoping that within the next year's time, it's hard to imagine, it's just, you know, we know yeah. how quickly a year can go. 2022 still seems like an odd number. Yeah. You know, 20 and 21 just sort of happened and everybody's like, wait, what happened in the last two years? <laughs> right, right. So we hope uh, in this time that we are able to take our current recovery center where we um, do medication-assisted treatment, um, and methadone specifically uh, as a treatment with our, our clients. And that is in an area that currently is about 2,200 square feet. Okay. Um, it's always been a little bit of a tight space, and we want to make sure that we have accessibility and room for growth. So we're going to move that just a couple of doors down from us into a, a new building. Okay. So we want to get those renovations done in place and get that open within the next year. We want to take the space that was there, which is right next to our inpatient unit, and, de- and that's what we want to design as a crisis center. Okay. And, and the crisis center is going to be an environment that's not quite to the level of an inpatient bed. Okay. Um, but it's going to be for people that, that need to get access to care that may come into contact, for instance, with law enforcement. Um, and it's a way to take them somewhere besides jail yep. in order to, to help them with treatment. So it's a model that's relatively new. Um, it's been tested in, in some bigger metro areas, but less in an area our size. So there's going to be some interesting challenges. Um, we're also going to be rolling out mobile crisis, which okay. as opposed to bringing people to the crisis center is actually sending a team out into the community. So this will be in partnership with law enforcement and, okay. and, and first responders. We don't want to get in anybody's way. But ultimately, if you haven't heard the three numbers, 988. Yep. All right. So this is the, um, the old suicide talk line hotline, but it's going to be an enhanced service. And they're going to develop an array of services within this. And one of those things is going to be in the future mobile crisis. So we are one of four places right now in Indiana that just received a grant to pilot this, get it going, and ultimately help develop the model that will be used for 988. So it's all very exciting stuff that's all happening within the and it's it, it's you're trying to meet people where they actually are yes. not just say hey by the way if you're willing to raise your hand and say i need help yep. and you're willing to drive here and make an appointment and 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 and, and then yep. we can help you you're ultimately trying to say if you need help just like raise your hand yes we'll and get you exactly and hopefully what that and, and a lot of times we can get this these can be handled just through phone calls where you get to talk to someone so you're talking yep. to a, a personal that they can uh, maybe even has familiarities with us already they might already be a client so we would know them more than uh, possibly some of the people in, in law enforcement it's hopefully going to save law enforcement time yep. it's hopefully going to uh, help people avoid incarceration it's hopefully going to um, lower any kind of inappropriate emergency room use so we're hoping this has uh, this has a positive ripple effect on on several like areas. A societal benefit yes. where you don't have police officers trying to be mental health officers, yep. and you don't have 
ER technicians trying to be a mental health officer. Yeah. You have mental health people trying to help somebody with mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, I have to say, you know, we're, we're fortunate locally to have a, a lot of buy-in around um, officers having a good understanding. So I think as a community... You've got communities that, like Valpo, yeah. that they've got yeah. a social worker to try to... And yeah. I think everybody is trying to almost like create a mesh yeah. where... Let's not have anybody fall through. Right. You know, we'll have some extra areas. You've got some extra areas, but let's not have anybody fall through. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because it is going to take the whole village to yeah. solve mental health and addictions problems. And I think um, I, from the leaders that I talk to in the community, there's a lot of buy-in, there's a lot of support, and there's a lot of momentum for us uh, to get things done. Well, to me, to watch the organization grow and you know, enhance your services, everything you're doing with Merrim. Like it's, it's, we've been a partner for a heck of a long time. And to me, I fully understand a, what your mission is, but also how important that is. Um, and probably the last couple of years reinforced that even more so. Yeah. So glad that you're growing, glad that you're starting some new experimental programs that sound like they make a lot of sense. Well, thank you uh, again. Uh, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for the, our ongoing relationship. We love to be communicating on your behalf. Uh, and keep up the great work. Thanks. Appreciate everything you do, too. 